What is up? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back and welcome to the kingdom. My name is Drums. Joined by the brothers and the masterminds behind King Golf. As always, Regan and Jordan Headley kicking things off with Reg on the first tee. Reg, how you doing, my friend? How are your holidays? Drums, they're uh, half over, unfortunately. I uh, spent the last four days of the cabin golfing pretty much every two hours. Uh, East wasn't a big fan of that, but uh, put in some good work with uh, old George was there till Tuesday and then put in some good practice with dad the last couple of days. And now I'm off to Granite Hills at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. So Nice. Bachelor party? Yes, it is a bachelor party. Beauty, beauty. So the whole fan jam was up at the lake. That was pretty good. Nice, perfect. And also his fam jam is joined with us. Uh, Jor, how you doing, my friend? Doing good. We're doing this on Thursday tonight. It's a little bit different. So this is a post-men's night evening. Just got off the course about half an hour ago. Had a night. Yeah, we won. We uh, we were hanging on to sixth place. Nice. This is the A-side, and uh, we won by three. So I think we'll get into the A-side for the first time. Oh, and so this is like the start of playoffs? Next week is playoffs, yeah. I'm just waiting on a text from uh, my partner, Moose, to confirm that we're in the A-side. But What did you shoot? I shot good. It was a 73, but they had the 12, oh, really? 12 playing as a par three tonight because of the water. So it was an act. Uh, yeah. 73, what's your handicap? Eight. You sandbag. Oh. Holy. Must-win situations, the 73s come out, eh? It was, a, it was a big night, big match. Big night. It's a big night on the pod, too. Yeah. It is. Uh, we got our first special guest. Special guest joining the pod today, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we got, uh, we got the pro at Minidosa Golf Course tonight. Is it the co-organizer of Marathon Monday? Yeah. It is the co-organizer of Marathon Monday. Co-organizer of Marathon Monday, which is happening this weekend, I believe. And his name is Patrick or Patty Law. What's going what on, buddy? What is up? What <laughs> is up? Welcome to the pod, buddy. How's it going, Pat? Good. Thanks for having me, boys. Excited. It was men's night in Minnesota tonight, too, right? So you're just coming off of that. Yeah, getting home from that just a little while ago. Just another beautiful night in Dosa. How oh. are the bugs on the course? Oh, uh, They're not great, not no. going to lie. But uh, you get up on that back nine with a little breeze, you hardly notice them. Do you guys fog? No, we don't. No. Does the rec center fog or like does the city do that? The city fogged twice last week, Thursday, Thursday and Friday. Actually, drums, they were fogging when we were outside on Friday night. I, I realized that. Maybe that's why you uh, were, weren't feeling so great the next day. Oh, that, make, <laughs> that makes sense. Sure, that's what it was. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> Definitely what it was. So, Pat, we mentioned uh, this Marathon Mondays, and we want to help you kind of get this off the ground. So, um Let's let's hear it. Like, what uh, what's the story? What is it? How did it start? What's uh, what's the game plan for it? Yeah. So, in a nutshell, sort of, Dylan Thornbro and myself started this uh, in 2012. We kind of had the idea to do a golf marathon to raise awareness for the. It was at the time breast cancer, actually. My mother had just gotten diagnosed that year, and Dylan came up with the idea to do it for that. Um, as fate would have it, his grandmother passed away later that year, so it kind of took on extremely special meaning for both of us, as I'm sure almost anybody can relate to with the disease that is cancer. So we kept running with it. We started out the first year hoping to raise – a thousand bucks, fifteen hundred dollars, and we raised fifty-eight hundred, and it's grown from there. I think our top year was eleven thousand something. Uh, last year we started out also to play a hundred holes and ended up playing two hundred and six. Last year was our <laughs> our record. So two oh six, 
Yeah, two oh six in a day. Oh, it Yeah, it gets a little exhausting in the middle of July. Not gonna lie, so uh, some heat exhaustion kicks in, but uh, it's all for a good cause. And over the years, we've added some things to it. A, a hole in one contest. Uh, we had a supper that was sponsored that got a lot of donations. Um, auctions everything like that that kind of goes along with a tournament without it really being a tournament and last year we decided to start sunday fun day the day before and include everybody let people kind of play and uh, get involved themselves wanted to continue that this year but obviously covid playing a huge factor we kind of couldn't really plan for the way we wanted to so we came up with a virtual tournaments or more or less so basically people can sign up this year online to join our team they can go play their own marathon at whatever course they're at whether it's Weed City, Gilbert Plains, Minidosa, Glenbro, uh, Banff like it, it can be done pretty much anywhere so that's what we're trying to grow from here on in I think and Honestly, it's been just like every other year. The support's been overwhelming so far. Okay, so on that, I saw the other day you guys, you were in Alberta and BC. Yeah. And you already had raised a ton of money, right? Yeah, I don't know the exact figure of what we were going into, but it was in the $1,400 range when I started heading out there. And uh, yeah. Wyatt Rapsky was uh, part of it as well, or he is part of it, pardon me. He's playing on Sunday with a, a number of other people, and we did our own little thing in Manitoba here, just a small little mini marathon. We played 54 holes at three different courses, and that kind of sparked some interest in it and got it off the ground and raised a bit and then couldn't have really anticipated what uh, me and Dylan's three little innocent rounds on our vacation would do either. That's unreal. Yeah, it is. So, like, what's the what's the format? Like, it, let's play as as many holes we can in like a day, or yeah, more or less. We just kind of set out at the the break of dawn as soon as we can see a ball, and just go straight so what, stroke, straight stroke play between the two of us. But yeah, I love that. I love. Stroke. I've been following. I've been following along. Well, pretty much. You said he started in twenty twelve. I've pretty much been tracking it every year online. And you guys, like, last year, you played 206 holes, and, you, like, you guys still actually put up decent scores, right? Like, Yeah, I – off the top of my head, I don't know what last year was. Like, the like the rounds, they all – the years start to blur together now. But one year, we played – I think we got to the 159th hole or something like that, and that was the end of it. And we were tied, so we went and played three – playoff holes to decide to decide the whole day so right. <laughs> we keep we keep it pretty tight and i think we finished like 15 and 13 under par or something for the day that year yeah, which is crazy wow humble brag yeah <laughs> like you i don't know you think after all those holes like you'd blast a couple of beer or something i don't know i know i would yeah there's a lot of uh Impressive. muscle relaxants going into the day <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I, like, I have a ton of questions on that. But first one would be, like, if people want to, before we forget, because it's the most important part, but if people want to join in the, on the virtual Sunday, like, what do they need to do and how do they donate? Um, marathonmonday.ca is the easiest way. There's a donate page on there and a Sunday Funday page as well, where it just has a sign-up form right on the website that'll basically take you through with everything you need to know. Okay. Most, most of what you need to know is on the website. Perfect. And second question I was going to ask, but you kind of answered it already was how does uh, the Tuesday feel? Um, the first year I remember hardly being able to move. Yeah. And I don't know if I just got used to it after that or what, but I think most years I've been able to play the next day somehow i don't know how but wow. the very Trouble first game, the man. very first year i got invited to play 
Southwood or Pine Ridge or something like that the, the next day. And I had to say no, because I, I couldn't take the club back more than a foot. Yeah. Well, a lot of guys, I would say most golfers would be sore after 36 holes or something. Right. So imagine playing 206, like that's, that's yeah, I need an ambulance to, to take me away from the course. <laughs> yeah. He is the not stop swinging. You did Friday after 18 holes drums anyways. So. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Obviously he, obviously they don't drink it. 209 holes. Yeah. What's the, what's the fuel on that day too? The fuel? A lot of water and uh, yeah. some Bud Light in there as well. Your Bud Light, yeah. Which is basically water. Exactly. You got to hydrate. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, do you guys have any other questions on Marathon? That's kind of what the point of this was just to raise a bit of awareness on it. And uh, hopefully we can get some people golfing on Sunday for it. I might be up for it. I don't know. I don't really know what my plan is this weekend, but I would love to do that. I don't think I could squeeze in 206 holes, but... Yeah, even 26 is good. I kind of wished it would have been this past Monday. We I could have done it at Rossman, but now Sunday this weekend is kind of a travel day. But we'll be golfing. I think we're planning on going to uh, Pleasant Valley and Clarny on, on Monday. So nice. might be able to join you a bit there. We could have played yeah. in, with our hickory clubs there, Ego. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think those are the last at 206. <laughs> I'm surprised they made her through 18, actually. Yeah. Me too. Were they a bit no, banged up after uh, you guys were done? What's that? Were they a bit banged up after you guys were done? Uh, I, hit a, I hit a tee shot off the dock or off the front, and I think I chipped it. But after that, I didn't really notice any. I think the wood that we have was kind of recently refurbished by somebody, and oh. so there's kind of a, a coat on there, and I think that's what kind of chipped. But plus, I, I think we swung a little easier knowing that they were made out of uh, yeah. hickory. <laughs> it's kind of a scary feeling. Where the hell did you guys find left-handed hickories? I've been searching up and down for those things. Yeah, don't look on eBay because you're going to get ripped off pretty hard. Oh, yeah. Are you a lefty too? I am, yeah. I'm you're outnumbered here. Completely outnumbered. You are outnumbered. Yikes. So those came from, actually, I posted on eBrandon one day, uh, a looking for section. And uh, I got, I said, I want some old golf clubs. Um I got about five responses. Half of them were just like clubs from the eighties with steel shafts and the, the steel heads. But then one guy, he had uh, just a ton of them in his garage or something. So I, I think I paid like 200 bucks for the five lefties. And then I got about six righties in the basement too, that I can't use obviously, but they're just kind of cool to have around. Yeah, no doubt. Dad's got some lefties too. Eh? I think those are righties. Are they? Yeah. Like lefties are hard to find from that era. Nobody swung left-handed in that era. Yeah, that's true. It's only like really popped off in our generation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say so. Which is weird, but Rigo, Rigo made a really good point actually the other day on the golf course. And what was it, Rigo, about being left-handed and being right-hand dominant? I don't know. Well, you said that. The- <laughs> I, talk of, I talk a lot of crap. Like but you said that your right hand's dominant and always wants to take over or something, right? Or I don't. Yeah, know. yeah. That's you wish you were right-handed. I wish I was right-handed. Yeah, but beggars can't be choosers. We're swinging from this side, so some days will be good and some days will be shitty. And you wish you were right-handed, but yeah, that's right. Okay, back to Patrick here. I'd say uh, <laughs> yeah. The majority, off there, but... the majority of listeners on here are going to be pretty um, golf savvy slash golf hardcore golf fan so uh patrick is a pro at minidosa he was a pro at shiloh before so i guess what i would want to know selfishly and probably these two as well is what was kind of the what was the route to get to where you are today and i mean go as deep as you want into it of how it started and and uh how'd you end up in minidosa yeah i mean i won't go real deep or lose all your listeners in the first five (laughs) minutes here but what minute um, what minute were you born? Let's go back to that and we'll go forward. Okay, sounds good. No, I grew up actually didn't start golfing until I was probably twelve or thirteen and good buddy in school, Josh Wedding, was obviously hitting it around pretty well. So started hanging out with him and 
got into it and got hooked and like most kids when they're 17 18 didn't really know what I was going to do after high school and the professional golf management program kind of came up as something and it was in Lethbridge not all that far away so decided why not packed my bags went there for three years after my first year you got to find a job in the in the industry and kind of wanted to be back at home so I went to Shiloh with uh, Sanaka there and started working under him and Scott Ramsey who's actually a family member so that was kind of a roundabout connection there and yeah kind of became a part of that family in in Shiloh and they were great to me I can't say enough good things about uh, what I learned there so after I finished my three years I started full-time there and as it ended up worked eight seasons in total starting in 2010 and in 2018 the opportunity in Minnedosa came up and here we are two and a half working on three years later and uh, yeah love it here can't couldn't be happier here as well but uh, that's basically the journey in a nutshell if you got any uh, you want me to go any deeper on any part of that by all means well, fire away. yeah my question on that would be because I know I've had discussions with people and what's kind of the final exam on that three-year route? Yeah, so basically the PGA of Canada has some requirements that you need to do. Um, one of them is a business administrative diploma or business administration. Good thing it wasn't an English diploma. <laughs> um, we uh, did a lot of business stuff in school and there was some golf-related classes which were really really good there's a lot of really good teachers out there so you got to learn from some pretty high level instructors one of which was Dean Spriddle he coached the uh, Canadian women's national team for a number of years so to pick his brain was a treat um, and then obviously everybody asks about the playability portion every year there's a couple playability tests around each region in Canada that you can do and uh yeah i did mine in uh winnipeg at south interlake i think it's called warren golf club now you yeah didn't shoot the lights out by any means but uh did what needed to be done to prove that i know how to play the game at least a little bit and then yeah there's a bunch of instructor classes that you got to take through the pga of canada just to show that you know a little bit about the golf swing and aren't uh, totally screwing everybody up when you hit the range and ask them for they ask you for some advice so yeah that's that's all that's into it there's it's a three-year road that's actually quite a bit of fun I'd recommend it for a lot of people there's worse places to go to work in the summer than a golf course what uh what's the scores you have to shoot or like what do you isn't it a two-day event or like a two-day qualifier or whatever you want to call it uh, it was 36 holes in one day was, was how ours was. Others are laid out a bit different. I think at that course, it's based off of course rating and stuff. At that course, I think it was 79, 79 or something like that. Definitely was, it, it does yeah. fluctuate then because I've had that conversation with people and nobody's really given me a, a straight answer on it. So I guess that makes sense. It would depend on the course because everybody's playing a different course, right? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, that's, with, with, uh, that, with that too, Pat, you've been doing quite a bit of teaching, eh? Like you mentioned, you had to prove that you knew what you were doing on the driving range. Like you've been kind of getting a lot of kids' programs off the ground, eh? Yeah, like that's where I kind of started a lot of my teaching right from uh, right from the word go. Ten years ago was junior golf, and it's where I grew up, like in Glenbro there there's people nice enough to teach me. So if I can pass that on to some kids and obviously it's the future of our game. Right. So yep. yeah, been doing yep. uh, junior, junior programs all over the place. Glenbro, Carberry, Boys of Ames, Killarney, Pleasant Pally, Minnedosa, Brandon Shiloh kind of, yeah, all over the place. If I can get to some of these small town courses and uh, provide the kids there with, 
a little bit of direction and hopefully some fun injected into the game. That's my ultimate goal. I might be wrong on this, but I, I feel like the more, um, like the smaller towns kind of, people would grow up that way, like with the pro kind of guiding them like their whole life and you'd have different events and everything on. Now, like I don't see that in Brandon that much. Like there'd be six tournaments a year that we'd be pumped to play in growing up as juniors. And now like, I don't even know like if there's that many around here. So like, that's super awesome to hear that you're doing, you're starting to do that stuff around here. Cause like, that's how we grew up was we were at the course every day and our pros would take us out of and yeah. just teach us if we needed something. Some of, some of the smaller town courses, though, they don't have a pro, though. It's a designated pro, yeah, manager, I guess. Right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like Whitford, I, Whitford I learned, the feedback, though. Yeah, like, I learned sure. basically from Josh Whitting's grandpa. He He's the one who kind of gave me my first tips and obviously knew what he was talking about, helping Josh and Zach both out, so... He uh, he was one, and you know what, Glenbro, like I'm sure with tons of small towns, was just full of people that were just thrilled to see you there. So they and they all know the etiquette of the game. They're all willing to take you under their wing. So that's very necessary and something that I make sure I don't forget. Oh, that's awesome. I guess uh, from here, we'll kind of get into, I think a few of us have just some random questions that we kind of want to go. We've been, uh, we've had a few episodes so far where the, the listeners slash followers slash buddies uh, have kind of given us some questions. So we're going to ask you a couple. Um, and just on the theme of, of teaching, kind of the question that I would like to ask is what, what do you tell people who are, you know, a, 10 to 15 handicap that want to get a little bit lower and whether that's technical or on the mental side of things or whatever it may be like what what's the kind of the best advice that you have for people and how do you help them get to the next step in their uh, golf careers or goals yeah I mean as far as the technical side of things everybody's so different I don't know if you've ever seen two people swing the exact same. So there's different things that everybody can do, but I think honestly, you guys touched on it in one of your episodes. I can't remember if it was the last one or not, but have fun. Like if you're a 10 to 15 handicap, obviously everybody wants to get better at this game, but you're not mm -hmm. going to the tour. Go, right. go out there and enjoy yourself. Cause we all know what it's like to try and hit a golf shot when you're just raging. It's, it's probably not going to end up very good. So, Drums yeah, I had, that before? I, had a, I had an episode this week at Men's Night. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we we've all been there. Yeah, there's totally. uh, there's people that are just dying to tell stories about myself. I'm sure, but <laughs> it's it's golf's a funny game. It's a game that you'll never ever win, no matter how good you are. He could be Tiger, and he's still changing his swing, trying to be better. Like it's. it's yeah a funny game that way so to get people to play better they got to be in a, a good mental state going into it it's, that's very important but uh, as far as one thing on the technical side a lot of people don't really pay much attention to might be the lower body movement in the golf swing I can't tell you how many times I've done a lesson and talked about people's footwork or their weight transfer or anything like that it's almost comes up in every single lesson and if I said how many of your buddies sit there and hang back on their back foot and try and just baseball swing that driver that it's crazy and then, and then turn around and get pissed off that it's slicing or hooking or doing both on two different swings it's it's right there that's why you'll yeah, see that's so true, eh? Yeah, drums. You you were struggling with that for a little while, right? Yeah. Uh, still going. But people, yeah, people get pretty concerned with how high their hands go and stuff like that. But you're absolutely right, and and uh, I think I mentioned it on here, but I never really realized what I was doing with my feet until I uh, had Rigo take a video of it one time. And it's it's not something that you want to look at on the range. It's it's shots you're actually hitting when you're playing a on the course, right? Because your your yes. your range swing is a little bit different than your core swing, and 
I would have never known that I lifted my right heel up, but that's yeah. You do a little stomp, day. Eh? Yeah, and I never realized that, and I can't. I've kind of become a little more consistent, just keeping that down a little bit, and then shifting my weight more instead of being so reliant on that movement. Yeah, that's where technology has helped me and probably every other teacher out big time because what you think you're doing and what's going on usually isn't the same thing so i'll i'll whip my phone out and do a video almost exclusively in every lesson right and then they get to keep that after and you kind of go through with them after or what yeah you can show them right there on the range and if uh i deem that they need it i can just send them a voiceover video that popped into their email they can always look back on which is a nice little tool to have is there a bunch of um like 20 to 30 year olds getting lessons or is it mostly seniors uh no it's starting to become a, a nice blend of both at least in minnedosa here there's quite a few uh younger of the younger demographic i guess we call it 20 30 years old years old um which is good to see because every senior that you talk to or i do lessons with their number one thing is I wish I would have got into the sooner they got into it when they retired or something like right. that. Right. You got physical limitations right off the bat there. So, right. Yeah, no, it's good. To, it's good to see. It's good for the health of the game, especially in rural Manitoba. Yeah. No kidding. Okay. Well, we will uh, take a quick uh, break there, Patrick, and get into our free ad of the night. We're going to try to keep this rolling. One take. So today's free ad is going to be uh, Comfort Kitchen, located right here in Brandon, Manitoba. I was there today. I've been, uh, I, I'm a frequent visitor during my work season, but we've kind of been working from home here. But uh, known as the best food in Brandon, I would say it's, it's uh, I don't know that they need a free ad. It's always packed in there, but I figured I would just give them some, some kind words because the food is always phenomenal there and they, they have a tremendous staff there. And uh, today I had my eggs, uh, I got the wrong order, but it was the first time I had eggs as, what's it called, easy, over easy, easy. Over, over easy. First time I've ever had that in my life and it was delicious. I what? just kind of, yeah, I started eating eggs about five years ago. I've only had scrambled and uh, easy over, over easy. Great eggs at Comfort Kitchen. So just wanted to give them a quick shout out. It's always uh, 10 out of 10 food there. And uh, that is this week's free ad. So we'll keep it rolling here. Do you guys have any other questions for uh, our buddy Pat here? We got. We should have a few. I got about five more written down, so we'll keep it yeah, rolling. Yeah, we touched on it last week, Pat. So if there's one rule change you could make just to the, the everyday rules of golf, what would it be? Oh, that was an unreal question. You guys yeah, had... Yeah. You guys had some good answers. I like those. Um, shit, if I had to change one, God, I don't know. No three putts, just to help me out. That's yeah. how the RBC Auto scramble. Twos. The RBC scramble rule. Make it or yeah, rake it. Yeah. Hey, Actually, about yeah, we touched on ours that uh, just had a breakfast ball, and then I golfed at 8.30 every morning this week in Rossburn, and uh, – I, I had got quick on a couple uh, to start, so I actually used a couple breakfast balls. So, drums, I put your, your rule into full effect this week at Rossman. Were you banging them into the cabins? He had a barbecue. I had oh, a barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, is what at, it is. At Rossman there, it was uh, wake up at 8.05, try to get there for 8.20. It's just a quick cart ride, but the first couple holes, you're still kind of like wiping sleep out of your eyes and – Breakfast balls are good. And uh, no three putts. What about four putts at Clear Lake on hole uh, number nine there? Hole nine, 10, or 18. Yeah. For, friend, friends don't let friends four putt. That's exactly. just – I agree. Yeah. And even in a match, you don't you don't want to lose or win a hole because somebody missed a two-footer or something like that, right? Like – Never. Not unless your name's Dylan Thorne, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Is he pretty stingy with uh, the putts? Yeah, I don't know if it's more embarrassing to say I was wearing the I Suck at Golf shirt because I missed the three-footer or for oh. him didn't give it to me. Wow. Yeah, you don't want to be doing that. <laughs> That's tough, man. But I It's mean, his birthday. You got to give him a 
throw yeah. the ball in. And I, and I truly respect guys who are able to be that competitive with the game. And I wish I had a little bit more of that in my blood, but. Um, I don't have that. Yeah. I like that rule. I think three putts are pretty tough, especially when the greens are running. We don't see that a whole lot around here, but. Yeah, no, they were, they were quick. There was more than just a shirt on the line. Full disclosure. <laughs> the truth, the truth comes out now. There you go. What's a, what's a rule or a, a thing that you guys have had to change because of COVID that you don't agree with or you, you're not a fan of? Uh, it's not necessarily that I don't agree with them. You got to kind of err on the side of caution with this thing, but I hate the pin in. I can't stand it. I think I don't think I'm alone. No, I, don't I really don't think all. I'm alone in that one. Are you are you um, adjusting to it all? I feel like I'm I'm kind of used to it now. Like the first couple of rounds were a complete mess, but I don't know. I feel like I'm just used to it now. I'll be so happy when they come out. But did you did you hear me say I missed a three footer to to win? Yeah, I know, and that's <laughs> yeah. that's the tough. I'm not I'm I'm not adjusting worth a shit. You know the thing. The thing about it is, and I, it might not have been that the case that day, Pat. But sure, I think you're adjusting to it just because it hasn't been as windy lately. When it, it's yeah. not so bad when it's not windy. Like no, that's kinda, true. But when the wind starts blowing and the flags blowing everywhere, and you got a three foot putt, like that's oh man, I I hate it. Like I can't wait for the pins to come out. What did you guys do? What did you guys do for the holes in uh, Dosa? Uh, we've done a little bit of everything. We we raised them to start just to get the year going, which was a blast because you can just hammer everything. <laughs> but uh, once we started to have some kind of legitimate rounds and tournaments that we wanted to do, we put foam in the bottom of the cup, uh, which I also don't care for a whole bunch, but it is what it is. And then we've got little cup raisers now. You just pull up with the putter and the ball comes out how's that working uh they're all right yeah they're, yeah i don't the only thing i don't like about most of them is they make the pin even wider right so. like we played uh oak lake and they had those they yeah. couldn't even pick up your ball like they didn't do what they were supposed to do and they were just like an added bit to the pin to to hit yeah like these pop the ball out and everything it's fine but yeah i'm just a big i'm just bitter about the pin in general <laughs> oh man, me too. Like it, even in the past, like if I'm chipping from like five yards off the green or ten yards off the screen, like I still pull the pin because I hate the pin so much. And now it's like every single putt has to have the pin in. It's like enough already. But I guess, like you said, you got air on the side of caution with this. Yeah, stuff, you, so. you think about the one touch point that everybody touches in a golf yeah. course. It's pretty much the only one. So yeah, yeah, that's right. At least we're able to golf this summer. So. Like, Missing the three footers are shitty, but that's it is what it is. With yeah, that, like, to... how's uh, how's your guys' membership at uh, for this year with everything that's going on? Uh, it actually went up a bit this year, so Perfect. we've we had quite a few people join that might have not. They had other stuff that they usually do, not uh, the least of which is kids' sports, which kind of took a big hit and takes up a lot of people's time. So yeah. we had quite a few families and stuff playing a lot more, which is awesome for golf. Yeah. Sucks that it's <laughs> under those circumstances, but I'll take it. Hey, I had one question just touching on that, and you don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but I, I just wondered at the start of the year when, like obviously now you can ride in the cart with your buddy, but when there was only one allowed for a cart, would you say that you guys made money from that or you guys lost money from that? Uh, we didn't lose money. No. I don't. I wouldn't go out of the way and say we we made a whole bunch because we don't have a cart fleet that's built for single single rider usage. Like we'd run out of carts and then right. kind of deters people a little bit sometimes too. But at the right. end of the day, we, we didn't we didn't lose money on it. We might have made a little bit, but I was just yeah curious. yeah. It was anno It was annoying, but. At the end of the day, that's all it was. It was just an annoyance. Right. Well, un under uh, under most circumstances, guys would be paying for half a card each. And were they – you weren't charging full card, right? Like double? No. We just charged for half a card. Can't so that would, 
Yeah, I'm th- I'm thinking that just the boost in numbers this year kind of would have evened out the half cart being lost for every cart rental, right? Just with the number of people out on the golf course this year. Yeah, that's so, what I mean. Like we, our numbers looked better, but we also had more people playing. So, right. Right. yeah. What's As a head the- pro, how many um, how many rounds a year like do you get to play? Like, do you play every day um, or, like, are you busy with everything that's going on, right? Yeah, this year is uh, one I'd like to forget for a number of reasons. But uh, on a normal year, I get out and play once, maybe twice a week. We started a, a men's league here last year that I committed to playing in just so it would force me to get out once a week. Otherwise, it's pretty easy to get caught up in other stuff that's going on and stuff that you got to do it's a busy time once the the pins go in in the spring until they come out in the in the fall so you gotta make hay while you can in manitoba and things are pretty tough for most people in the golf industry to get out and play that is and i'm sure when you put in a 12-hour day the last thing you want to do is go out on the course and golf after you've been there for 12 hours already right yeah i love golf but you're right. Some days it's like, no, I'm going, I'm going to bed. Yeah. Getting out of here. Yeah. With the, uh, with all the new golfers this year and stuff like that, I know that I've seen a few different things on the course and with my rounds and stuff, but one of the questions that somebody asked, uh, I think it was Sean Rickman last or last week. He said, um, what, what's one unwritten rule or a couple unwritten rules that, uh, you wish that either new golfers or golfers who just didn't grow up around the game, you wish that they would be from more familiar with her or kind of follow a little bit more closely. Um, from a maintenance side of things, watching where their cart goes and, and stuff, but get out and walk a little bit. Yeah. Um, from an etiquette side of things, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty open to, new golfers and letting a few things slide i just wish people would there's a lot of new golfers that aren't aware sometimes that they're holding people up and most people don't mind waiting on a hole or two but if you're waiting all day on a on a group and they're just oblivious to to that fact it can back up the course and annoy a lot of people but at the end of the day i'm I'm pretty lenient with new people. We need as many people playing the game as we can. hundred yeah, percent. And, and probably on the maintenance side too, is there a lot of people that are kind of lenient with their divot fixing and stuff? I know that Wheat City's pretty bad for that. There's not a whole yeah. lot of people that bend over and fix their divots. It's kind of annoying. Yeah. Ball mark, ball marks on a green are a nightmare. I think pretty much everywhere you go. Right. You know what? Go ahead, Ridge. I just don't know why – I don't get why people don't fix their divots. Like, to me, it's a, it's almost like a pride thing that if I hit the green, like, I I want to fix my divot. Like, it's like a – it's almost part of the routine. Like, you're like – Yeah, check this out. You're excited yeah. to go fix your divot because it means you hit the green. I, that's how I feel about it anyways. I guess – I don't know. You probably got, like, that switchblade divot tool that you just, like, I do. Fling, fling out. And- <laughs> I do. Yeah. Let me get let me get this one here. Yeah, I actually do. I actually do. <laughs> but it's like a but I fix and like just like us for growing up around the game. Like if I'm on the green and somebody else is putting, like can I see a few divots? Like I'll fix them. But I just I don't know why people would neglect that. I I don't know. It's such an easy thing to do. But I guess if you didn't grow up around the game, you you wouldn't really know to do that. But it just seems like common sense to me. Yeah, there's there's probably a. That'd be an unwritten run, one that a lot of people don't maybe just aren't aware of, or I'd like to give them that benefit that they're just not aware rather than just being uh, rude that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, just, it's a lot of laziness too. And some guys don't like bending over and some people are kind of having a conversation when they're walking up to the green and stuff like that. So. Uh, I guess different. the other thing too, like, I guess if it, if they're hitting like a three wood or something into the green or like they just skull one, like and hit the green and their ball rolls off into the bush or something. And they probably don't even realize that the right. ball hit the green. So that might yeah, be a part of it, I guess. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt here. But yeah. fix, your, fix your divots people. <laughs> Growing up, were you like the best golfer for your age group, like around? 
Ace is no. at Josh, and Josh was Wait, unreal, right? Yeah. Forgot about that. But, like, yeah, so but you like, were obviously don't... good growing up, and, like, that was your passion. Did you have, like, any of the other sports you played? Like, were you a hockey guy, anything like that? Yeah, like, I played played hockey and a couple other school sports. But, yeah, golf kind of got me real early. And, yeah, Josh was by far and away the the best golfer in our age group but there was we had quite a few uh talented kids for a town of 600 people in Glenbrook there like our golf team one year it's might be the biggest joke that we never won provincial golf or anything when you look at where people ended up and kind of speaks to the nature of kids and golf getting in your getting in your head <laughs> oh 100 tournament we, we all we all let winning down <laughs> <laughs> hey speak, speaking of winning uh cockerel was, was always around in the mix at that time too and he's actually in a tie for 19th day on the euro tour right now yeah five under yesterday and even today so he's he's a king golf guy too and it's good to see it's good to see local guys out there right i mean it's incredible i think there's yeah, a couple a, guys that's no, that's pretty cool. No, that's pretty cool to see. Like I know Aaron a little bit, just kind of through Josh, and they they had a good back and forth through junior golf and right all the way through to Canadian tour and everything like that. So it's uh it's cool to see where his career has gone from uh, right from the word go. And yeah, I was super excited to turn my TV on in the pro shop yesterday and see Euro Tour on, and I go, oh yeah. Oh, holy shit. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> There's Aaron Cockrell as 66 in the first round. Nice. I watched for like two hours. They didn't show him once. And then, like, he was one of the last groups out there that was up at the top leaderboard. And as soon as uh, it was Pepperell, Westwood, and I, I don't even know who the other guy was, as soon as they were done, the coverage was over. So they didn't even show Cockrell once on TV today. Oh, wow. I know. That was, that was two hours. I'm not going to start the conspiracy theories or anything, but, like, Adam Hadwin was within two shots of the lead for an entire Sunday, and I don't think I saw one shot of his. Maybe one putt or something like that. Crazy, man. It's it's unreal on the tour sometimes, but... We had to watch Phil's Phil's putt a million times, and they wouldn't show anybody else. (laughs) I think I saw more swings of Tiger than I did of... uh, and I did with Hadwin, and he did wasn't even in the tournament. Did you see DJ today? No, I don't think I did. He actually Tim Cup today. Oh yeah, he took a nine. Oh he really? Three balls. In the, he hit three balls in the water from the same spot, and on the fourth on the fourth ball, he put it two feet and made the putt for a nine. Love it. <laughs> oh, that's phenomenal. I love that. Guy. Insane, I love man. that guy. Oh yeah. But when DeChambeau does it last week, I was just laughing my ass off. Oh yeah. <laughs> And then DJ I, why, why do people hate him? Deshambo? Yeah. I can't He's believe slow. you guys would wear wear that hat to hit it that way. A hundred percent. No, no. Chance. I'd walk around on my hands if I had to <laughs> if I could hit it that way. Well if I could walk on my hands, I probably would too, but <laughs> No, that guy is just such a hateable character. You gotta respect what he's doing, but but oh my god. Uh, him yeah. and Patrick, him and Patrick Reed would just be the worst foursome you could imagine. Throw in anybody there, and it would be a throw nightmare. In, throw in Zach Johnson. You got a. Uh, <laughs> He's in that category. Holy shit! I'm way off on this. I didn't fucking well, mind the guy till I heard this. I don't know. I I hated him, but then all of a sudden he beefed up and just started hitting bombs, and I actually kind of started liking him because he's like hilarious to watch. Yeah, he looks like a chunky idiot out there, and he's just <laughs> hammering balls. He's a content machine. Just right? like, oh, yeah. never mind how far he hits it, but he just like yelling at cameramen and arguing <laughs> yeah. with rules of like three different rules officials when he's very clearly wrong. And, yeah, that was bullshit. That was hilarious, actually. That was hilarious because I thought he was going to make like a 15 on that hole. I was upset he only made a 10. <laughs> <laughs> so is that sorry, like your, I, sorry, is that your least favorite rails, people right? on the tour? What's that? Those two are the least favorite people on tour. Oh yeah, maybe, maybe in the world. <laughs> and you know what's funny? You know what's funny? And I, I, I'm not going to name any names, and I, you don't have to either. But 
there's one of those guys at every golf course. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't have to name any names, but I mean, everybody in this, in this chat would, would, would just know who that is at their golf course. And it's unbelievable. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I'd probably be the top result at uh, Gilbert, but that's just the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to name names cause you're sitting right there in front of me. But. <laughs> um, Okay, well, I got a couple other questions from people who actually just randomly messaged me on Instagram. So the first one would be um, the most, I guess the most underrated course. He said that we should take a trip out to Melita. Uh, Patrick, have you been to Melita before? Drums, you grew up there. I lived there, yeah. I've never played it before. That's kind of where, like, I fell in love with the game. What's the course like? It's a small town, so, like, I could just, like, I don't even know how old I would have been, like, 8 to 11, I guess. Yeah. When I would have lived there. So, yeah, I would literally, like, in the summers, just every day, bike to the golf course, hop in the cart, and play. What's the course like, though? Explain it in in a sentence. It's nice. It's kind of like a lot of it's in a valley, so, like, you hit from elevated tees, and I think, like, on – 50% 50% of the course you hit from elevated areas to, to lower greens and or higher greens and stuff. I haven't played there in forever. Like I probably would have been 12 the last time I played there, but yeah, no, that's a little hidden gem. What's uh what's yours, Patrick? I, you can't say dose either. Hidden gem. If we're keeping on that train of the little small towns, I'll, I'll uh, save my bias on Glenbro, but Verdon golf course is a sweet is little track. Sweet. Yeah, I agree. Old, oldest golf course in Manitoba. Is it? Oh, shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that either. 1892, I think. Nice. It's a yeah. niner. It's a little niner. Service is another great one out that way. There, There's tons. I've heard Miami's really good, but I've never been to it for a little nine-holer. What about uh, uh, Scottswood? Is it Scottswood? Yeah, I – can't speak to it i haven't played there kind of the same thing since i was like 14 15 years old and i i barely i got a pretty good memory with golf but not that good and i i've heard lots of good things and George, that that one that uh patch uh mentioned today i've, I've actually heard quite a few things about it. oakwood yeah you heard of it as i just heard about it a couple weeks ago and i where's that i wanted to re- i meant to research it but he said it's by saint anne yeah, it's kind of by okay. St. Anne LaSalle, like that area. It's not yeah, Kingswood, it's just, but it's the other one right there, Oakwood. Yeah, I've heard of it. I've never been there myself. Huh. Even Carberry's got a good track. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Carberry's nice. It's freaking hard, though. Yeah. And you don't look for balls or your poison ivy, for sure. I'd put Manitoba up there, though, Pat. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> When's the front nine opening up? Uh, if it were an NHL hockey player, I would call it week to week, not day to day. It's close. Is it pretty brown? It's a very lower body injury. Yeah. It's, it's got a couple holes that are affected right now that we just got to be delicate with. You you get people out there when grass is trying to fill in and stuff and it's going to be more detrimental and we're at a state in the season where. We don't want it to still be showing up in the spring, so we're taking a That's fairly cautious, cautious approach to it at the moment. But it'll be up and going soon enough, and back to its glory. What's the NHL using now? I unfit to play. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's unfit to play for a bit. Just, just out of shape. <laughs> what? Uh, ra- completely random, not planned or anything. But who? You, quickly, who are you guys taking to win the cup this year? Avalanche. It's a good pick. That's with my heart and with my brain. It's just a double whammy. Is that your team? <laughs> That's my team. Okay. Drums? I don't know, man. I don't want like this. The Leafs, Leafs don't have a chance, do they? No, I don't. And I don't want this to come out of my mouth, but it's probably Boston. Ooh. Rigo's looking at Philly. Rigo, once again, people can't see, so you have I to. Know. I was letting you guys know. I was going to announce right away. 
the listeners can't see, but hey, you think Philly? Oh yeah, they were on absolute heater before this shit all happened. Yeah, but that's the thing. This has got to be the most level playing field because yeah. who knows what's gonna happen coming out of this. Yeah, I think it's gonna be the the hottest goalie and the the players who have worked out the most over the past four months who actually stayed in shape and and so Ed, uh, went to the Edmonton's gym more than the golf course. Who? Edmonton's probably got a chance because there's no chance McDavid took a day off during yeah. all of that. Actually, uh, Craig Button. Craig Big Nose Button there, he made a good point today on a sleeper pick for the Rangers there. I, he, he raised some good points. I think they'll be pretty hard to beat. Their goalie's kind of a question mark, but... Well, but well, they've got a couple good They've ones. got three unreal goalies. Yeah, but, I mean, it's pretty tough to compete with uh, old Connor Hellebuck in that, so that's going to be my pick for uh, the Cup. <laughs> Actually, the Rangers, yeah, but the Rangers are dying. Once again, can't see, but... Got the Jets shirt on. Can't wait. A week away. Okay, let's get back to golf here. What, let's. Do you guys have any more questions for Pat, or do you want to go into our uh, questions that we kind of ask each other segment? I'll bring this one to everybody. But uh, who's your who's your favorite old school golfer? So let's say like somebody pre nineties. Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> No, actually, I'll answer that quickly because I have an answer, and, and uh, it would be Mo Norman. And honestly, I don't know enough about him, and I would love to do a full episode on him. Hopefully, like I, I just want—I mean, so intrigued by the guy, and, and honestly, he wasn't my favorite growing up, but he's Canadian, and he has a, how many course records? I mean, uh, I, think, I think it's like seventeen or something like that. I think that's that's something that we should dive a little deeper into. But I'm honestly fascinated by that dude. You read his book? I haven't. Not, not I, his I wanna, book. What's Mo, it called? Mo and Me? Mo and Me. It's a good read. You'd enjoy it. I heard it. something really now. Start a book that, club. That, uh, that, that was my pick as well. Well, that's an easy answer then. Yeah, that's crazy. Honestly, I didn't I didn't watch a whole lot of golf before Tiger came into the scene in 96, so I, I have a hard time with that question. No, I mean, we wouldn't, but there's always like the, we'll catch videos or like a classic round well, or something we'll find. If you see Arnie in his prime with his cutoff shirt and just like the He's guy. Just a beauty. Full of, yeah, he was just full of class. And uh, I, I also like Gary Player. I just, I, he's just a, just like just a cool guy, man, honestly. He's still jacked. Yeah, it's crazy. He's just such a cool guy. And he'll tell him, you. Him and Greg Norman are sweet. The shark. Who's Johnny Miller. Hey? Johnny Miller. Yeah? Yeah. He is a hell of a talent, man. Like, he he would tell you, too. But <laughs> he was, he was great. Obvi- like, the obvious easy answer is Jack. Like, yeah. that was amazing. If Tiger never came about, we'd be still talking about that guy. But yeah, that's and right. I, I think that's still a relevant argument to a degree between him and tiger there's points to be made on both sides i'm not going to win that argument in this on this podcast but (laughs) it's it's fascinating to see some of the stuff that he was doing back then man like he just took arnie and made him made him his boy basically when he came out at 17 18 years old there it was pretty cool but yeah there's there's lots of good old school ones ben hogan is probably my my top guy the stories you hear about his ball striking are yeah. ungodly. It was uh, Tiger says there's only two people that own their golf swing, and it was Ben Hogan and Mo Norman. Yeah, there was a story about Ben Hogan back in the day. I'll keep this short, but basically he would hit balls, and he had a shag bag or a kid that would go out onto the range and start at 90 yards. He'd hit his wedge of some kind 90 yards the kid would pick up five balls take 10 steps backwards to 100 yards hogan would hit five balls all landing at his feet pick up his five balls back up another 10 all the way to like driver and he's just like rolling them right up to him the kid never had to move more than 10 feet that's insane 
Could you imagine having that much control over your golf swing? Like mine changes from round to round, honestly. There's some key elements to it, but that's just insane. Like mine changes clearly from hole to hole. <laughs> well, you just think of how good you have you think of how good you have to be to make it to the tour. And then think yeah. about how good those guys are to dominate the guys who are good enough to make it to the tour. Like they're on a whole nother level of I mean we've yeah. never we would never see people, people think they know how good tour mm-hmm. players are they they don't really no not even close. I, I don't even like it's no. to be right next to it and see it is would be an eye-opening experience yeah i remember growing up and just playing like with horn ryan horn and it would be like oh this is a different he's playing a different game than i am yeah, yeah. he's still nasty by the way he was pretty damn good though oh yeah still is um okay well I'll, I'll ask my question mine is uh what was what's i guess the the best shot of your life slash one that really stands out in your brain for all your rounds of golf throughout your career whether it was a tournament or just a miscellaneous round i wouldn't say hole in ones count but yeah could be any kind of shot drive chip pot iron wood from the fairway is that just a pattern to everybody everybody when I when I won the Tamarack, I laid up on 15 at Clear Lake to because uh, the guy that I was playing, I think it was Brad Party, I was playing, and I he was in a bit of tree trouble, so I I hit like a four iron out, and I was like 210 yards, and I hit another four iron to like two and a half feet, and that's where I finished the match off on 15. So I was pretty. I went four iron, four iron on 15 at Clear Lake to. That's a pretty good. I have to say, I was wondering, I was wondering where that was going with the best shot you've hit, and you started with layup. But. Yeah, but I just put it to the middle of the fairway just to get in position. That I put it to like two and a half feet blind shot. It was pretty sweet. Yeah, that's a hell of a finish. That's course management. Yeah, I guess so. That was my first layup of my life and last. <laughs> and it worked. So, uh, I wouldn't recommend it still. <laughs> I'd have to cheat and say that mine would be hole in one. I don't care. That's the only one I There's remember. No I don't remember yeah. shit. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, if you get an ace, I can't. I can't speak for it. So I would imagine that would be a pretty good feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're outnumbered again here, George. You going two, Pat? Just one. Very first, first swing of the day and men's night in Glenbro a couple of years ago. Par four. Uh, no, par three to start it off. And uh, funniest part of that whole thing was about 45 minutes before that, another guy had made one on the same hole. And everybody was talking about it. My first swing, I hold it as well and uh, push the skin on that hole. <laughs> oh, he was, he was pissed until he was yeah. pissed until we split the bar tab. So then he was okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, th- I think mine would be a putt. Mine, Tamarack, too. I mean, Tamarack's the most, I don't know, co- competitive golf that I've ever played. So it was actually a, probably a five-footer on uh, hole number nine to extend the match. And it was a probably two-foot break, and it just kind of dripped in. It was last year. And uh, I finished birdie-birdie on eight and nine at Clear Lake and then one in the playoff hole. Moved on oh, to the next round. Eh? Yeah, but this is the the funny part of this whole story. Uh, the next match, it was uh, I was playing a guy, and his he locked himself out of his jeep, so he had to rent some clubs from. Like, no, and I was on the first tee. I'm like licking licking my chops. I'm like, man, I'm gonna stomp this guy, and he 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 owned me like he he dusted, <laughs> and that was the end of my tamarack year. But that but, could almost be an advantage at times because all he'd be thinking about is clubs and he wouldn't be thinking about anything else. Yeah, there's no bad memories with those, right? Yeah, he's got a built-in excuse. Right, uh-huh. pressure. Can't lose. So that's uh, that's kind of what I – it was a good putt and it, it was a memorable one, but I got I got stomped the next day by a rental club guy. So <laughs> it is what rental it is. Rental club guy. Let's track him down. Hashtag rental club guy. Let's find him. <laughs> what do you got, Rigo? I honestly, uh, I wasn't uh, too aware that we were doing this, so I do not have anything. But that's oh, okay. you're gonna pass. That's the first pass. 
I'm passing and I have to be up very shortly to take off to Grand Hill, so it's probably a good time to pass. Checking up the pass. Let me know right. your experience there, Rigo. Yeah, I will for sure. The beautiful course. Granite. <laughs> That's as far as we'll go. <laughs> as far as I'll take it. <laughs> Thanks a lot for coming on, Pat. That's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah I don't think this will be the last time we see you. Hopefully, we'll get you back on. We'll dive deeper into some other topics. I'd Let's like see. to hear about Marathon Monday uh, once it's all said and done. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Tune in. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll be active on social media as much as we can. Right yeah. on, buddy. So that's uh, that's MarathonMonday.ca. .ca, yes, sir. Okay. Perfect. So yeah, we'll make sure we put that on there. Twitters and everything like that. Awesome. Thanks for having me, boys. Really appreciate it. Perfect. Thanks, buddy. Have a great weekend. Will do. All right. Take care, boys. Peace out.